Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for leaders in education brought to you by Central Michigan University, the Center for Charter Schools, a leader in educational choice and quality. My name is Orlando Castellan, and I'm here with my colleague, Janelle Brzezinski. Hello, Janelle. How are you? Hi, great to be here. Um, Well, we're really excited because we've got two conversations we're bringing you today on schools returning to in-person learning. We have Dan DiBardino, who is the managing director of Recon Management Group. Uh, Recon is our partner um, at the Center for Charter Schools in doing site and facility reviews. And then we have one of our schools and two of their area uh, administrators, Kurt Neighbor and Stephanie Quaker um, from Ivywood Classical Academy in Plymouth that is going to, and, and both of our guests, all three of our guests are going to be talking a little bit about uh, how, what has happened in facilities and how they have uh, tried to keep kids safe during these COVID times. Yeah, really interesting conversations. Um, as Orlando mentioned, great to have these guests join us this month. Um, you know, as, as some schools are just now moving to in-person, we also know some are, are still virtual. Um, we're, we're lucky to have Ivy Wood on as, a, as an expert as they've been in person throughout the year since the beginning of the year and have remained open that entire time. So um, they were excited to join us. Um, and be able to share some of their um, best practices and lesson learns with their colleagues. So um, excited to, to have them and, and hope this is a resource for our partner schools and all of our listeners as everyone ventures back into in-person learning um, at some point in the future. So hope this is, this is helpful. Um, for anybody that's a, a new listener, our podcast is available on our website. It's the centerforcharters.org. We're also available on all podcast platforms. So whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, um, anywhere you get your podcast, we are available um, and hope you subscribe on there to be able to get um, the episodes as quickly as possible. So excited to, to hear from our guests today. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. So we're excited to be with Dan DiBardino. He is the managing director of Recon Management Group. The Recon Management Group partners with CMU on our site and facility reviews. And so they've been a great partner of ours um, over the years as we go into schools and ensure uh, the security and safety is up, up to snuff. And then uh, Dan is also the president of Crime Stoppers Michigan. So we have the uh, benefit of having Dan on the Recon team And then finally, Dan is our first guest to ever have been uh, interviewed twice. And so we're super excited to have Dan DiBardino with us today. Welcome, Dan. Uh, Thank you, Orlando. uh, I'm I'm honored to be here and particularly honored that I'm uh, a return guest. I I very much appreciate that. Thank you. So, Dan, um, as you know, many schools are starting return in larger numbers of students to in-person learning. And so wondering what are some of the things that schools could be, should be looking at from a school safety facility perspective? Well, uh, Orlando, first and foremost, I am uh, glad that uh, 
that some of these uh, children are getting back to uh, schools, uh, social and psychological well-being, and, and they're going to have access to nutrition and uh, child welfare and, and all these other things. So I'm delighted that we're talking about that today. I think one of the things that clearly um, the uh, schools should be concerned about as we uh, start uh, opening schools up is how are they going to be able to practice uh, safe distancing? That's not a difficult, that's not an easy thing to do when you have uh, a classroom half or full uh, with, with kids. But some of the things that we would recommend is first and foremost, eliminating the lockers or groups of them by student groups, uh, creating one-way traffic in some of the school hallways, like some of you see some of the retailers are doing now. I think schools should do the same. Uh, using outdoor spaces when possible for instruction. The weather's getting nice. Uh, there's nothing that says you can't have your lunch or your breaks or your recess outdoors. Uh, reducing the number of children on the school buses is another if, if they're uh, going to be bused in and out or however, uh, whatever mode of transportation some of these kids might uh, be at or use, there's got to be some consideration for facing desks out uh, in such a way that they're, uh, they're all, sometimes, as you know, in some of the schools, they do different uh, configurations for desks. In this particular case, desks should all be facing uh, in the same direction. Obviously, using physical barriers that we now all become uh, very accustomed to, uh, whether it's plexiglass shields or partitions to separate the educators, the teachers, and the students uh, themselves, and then dividing up students into distinct uh, or distinct groups. Uh, so they can stay together during the school day and reducing interaction of the, of the entire group. That would be some of the things, because I do think, uh, again, uh, safe distancing is go is, has to be a major challenge uh, for, the, for our schools. And Dan, thank you for, I mean, certainly so many things to, to be considered there as you're outlining, um, you know, certainly appreciate all the work schools are putting in to consider all these things. And those are all, all helpful areas there. They, they can pinpoint kind of where they're going from there. I know one area that's being discussed a lot lately is HVAC systems in schools, um, what uh, appropriate um, setup would be um, and looking at that more specifically. Um, is there anything related to HVAC that, that you've seen that is helpful for schools to be looking at or anything in addition to HVAC that they should be considering as well? Well, I think one of the uh, most effective things that I've seen and read about and have talked to some of our people here uh, as we go back into the schools is the uh, making sure that filters are clean, making sure that, that all of their HVAC systems are have been inspected, even if, if, even if they're not cycled right now for maintenance, they should be looked at so that everybody knows they're running clear air through these systems. And of course, the other thing which really is gonna be helpful is natural ventilation. Right now, uh, we're sitting here today, what? It's 70 degrees. The weather appears to be changing, perhaps in early spring. So I think if we can get those windows open, get those doors open, um, along with 
making sure we're moving kids in and out of the school as the weather permits would pre would be probably one of the or one of the best ways, the safest ways to keep our kids uh, keep our kids safe. Um, and Dan, you know, as we think through some of these things, as Orlando mentioned, you know, some some schools are just starting to return in general, some are starting to return larger numbers. For those schools that have not been open to in-person activity for a long period of time, is there anything specifically um, from a facility standpoint where if your building has not been at full capacity use that you really need to be mindful of as it's starting to get used again for the first time? I'm gonna quote my grandmother, clean, 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 and clean. They're gonna have to be looked at as if they have been uh, uh, non-utilized for, for a long period of time and, and our uh, administration should be in a situation where they are cleaning from top to bottom. And if you allow me, Janelle, I have a, a, a little bit of a list of things that people should pay attention to when they are cleaning, starting with face shields doorknobs and handles, things that people, everybody wants to do surfaces and we appreciate all that, but doorknobs and handles, stair rails, the classrooms, of course, the desks and the chairs, obviously, the lunchroom tables and chairs, the countertops, the handrails, the light switches would be another one. And these have to be not only as I go through this particular list of just the, the top, what I would call top 20, but when the school begins to open finally, all of this should be cleaned ASAP. And then there has to be a schedule of maintenance, not weekly, but daily to make sure these surfaces stay clean. So light switches, handles on equipment, for example, simple things, if they're using baseball bats or some other athletic equipment that kids handle, the teachers handle, they have to be clean. Push buttons on vending machines and elevators has to be, they have to be cleaned and make sure that the surface are continually wiped once the initial cleaning is done. Shared toys, shared remote controls using smart boards and all of these kinds of things. Shared telephones, shared desktops, uh, shared computer keyboards, for example, and the mouse that goes with it. And then bus seats and, and the handrails on the bus and those kind of things. So we can't do enough cleaning to make sure that, forget what the, uh, the, the COVID virus may attach itself to. We have to assume that this virus will, will attach itself to anything we let it attach it to. And we're going to have to be diligent when it comes to cleaning as we open the school and then maintain that same determination and that same due diligence, uh, diligence, I should say, as we clean every single day. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, that, uh, obviously, a lot of information there to consume. And, and, you know, you said a couple things that I wanted to circle back on. Um, you said that your grandma used to tell you clean, 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 clean. But I also remember grandma saying, get outside, uh, get outside and play. And so I'm, uh, you mentioned earlier um, the idea of schools using their outdoor space kind of, you know, along with their indoor space. Wondering if you've come across any really unique uses of outdoor space or, you know, as you've been out in the field, as your team's been out in the field, um, how, how how can schools begin to think outside the box in that area? 
Well, it's been interesting, uh, Orlando. And of course, I've seen this also on a corporate side. Uh, people are having meetings outside. They're doing semicircles of desks, semicircles of chairs. They're using blankets as if one was on a picnic. They're bringing uh, not smart boards. Sometimes you can't bring smart boards because you need 5,000 feet of electrical uh, attachment. But the old... Uh, the old blackboards, you know, the stuff that I remember when I was a kid, we didn't have any smart boards. The only person smart when I was in school was the teacher, but we had boards with chalk, bring that out. Use uh, the uh, the use of of uh, the, the large Etzel uh, type of things where you can use markers to write and so forth. So I think there's many things that schools would think out of the box and think simply uh, about how would you conduct a regular day of class if you were outdoors? I happened to see a, a piece, I don't know whether it was on 60 Minutes or something just the other day, where there's a particular school that everything is now outside, good weather and bad, but they're using nature, knowledge of nature, and they're also combining educational courses as well. But I think it can be fun for the kids particularly because the kids have been so used to this boring Zoom classes that they've been uh, attending. I think it could be quite fun for the kids to go outside and enjoy the outside, enjoy the ventilation at the same time, learn. Well, Dan, we really appreciate all your, appreciate all your insights. As Orlando mentioned, there's certainly a lot to unpack there. Um, and, and we know that as, as schools are um, starting to return, they're, they're going to be learning through this time and really keeping their schools as safe as they can for their students and staff. So we appreciate all the work that your team is doing um, to, to ensure your expertise and research is getting out there to schools. Um, and I think the resources and the things that you've outlined to consider here today are certainly going to be very helpful as well as people are returning back. So we, we really appreciate your time and, um, and just wonder if there's anything else you want to share as we wrap up today. I just so happens I do. And I'm going to call your listeners' attention to a Washington Post article that just was published. And they talk about lost in the conversation of kids going back to school is what the responsibility or what parents need to know to keep their kids safe. And there's a 10-point 10 10 items on this article that they write. For example, parents need to put together a different back to school kit, okay? Masks and air uh, and things for your hands and things we never thought of. Parents take responsibility for the knowledge of health symptoms. Parents having to be prepared to keep their children at home. Uh, parents must make sure that their kids must know about hand washing techniques. It's an interesting article and I would certainly recommend that everybody who listens to your podcast goes and takes a look at those ten, that 10 points. They're wonderful points and well thought out. Washington Post today, I believe. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, we'll be sure to share that with our schools and appreciate you bringing that to our attention. And we'll look forward to uh, the potential of you being our guest again at some point in the future, potentially even our first guest to be on for three times. Well, so, thank uh, you. I, I, I'm humbled by the opportunity all of you stay safe and thank you so much for uh, for allowing me to come on and talk a little bit to your listeners. Take care. Thank you, Dan. Dan DiBardino. Dan DiBardino with the Recon Management Group.
Thanks, Dan. So I'm really excited to be here chatting with our two guests uh, from Ivywood Classical Academy located in Plymouth, Michigan. We have Kurt Neighbor, who is the area superintendent, and Stephanie Quaker, who is the school principal. Uh, welcome to you both. Great to have you both here today. Thank you. So one of the reasons that we thought it would be great to chat with you is because you guys have been doing in-person learning, uh, in learning all school year in, the, in, in Plymouth. And uh, just kind of wondering, what do you credit your success with in ensuring that students and staff were safe in your building this year? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things is we were able to draft a plan. So Kurt and I worked together along with the teachers, um, parents, and the board to draft a plan. So we knew coming into the school year exactly what we were going to do, what the year was going to look like. Um, everyone has stuck to the plan. Um, our parents have been great about it. Our teachers have been great about it. Um, Everybody has done a really fantastic job adhering to that. Um, one thing we've noticed is this year, um, parents are keeping students home anytime they're sick. So in the past, we've seen students who might come to school not feeling well, and the parents say, well, just try to make it through the day. Uh, this year has been a little bit different because our plan specifically states if your child has certain things such as a fever or they're not feeling well, they need to stay out for 24 hours. And our parents have done a phenomenal job keeping students home anytime they're sick, even if it's just allergies or a simple cold. Um, so that has really, really helped us. And then our staff has done a great job, um, not only adhering to the plan, but they wanted to be in person. So they were really willing to do whatever it would take to be in person and do so safely. So I think those two things have helped us tremendously. Well, and you mentioned Stephanie in there, you know, that parents were a key part of that. Really, what was the communication and dialogue, um, assuming that there's really has to be an open line of communication there between the school and the parents? Um, what did you do a little bit differently this year as you ramped up to starting in the fall and then continuing through the school year since you have had such a successful um, time staying open the entire year? Yeah, so this summer we sent out surveys. We wanted to make sure that our families were comfortable with our plan. We wanted to make sure we had their feedback and um, their suggestions included in the plan. So we um, provided our families a few different surveys and then we provided um, at least monthly communication with our families. Um, July and August, we actually communicated more frequently leading up to the school year. Um, but once the school year started, we provided our families monthly communication. Um, they're invited, of course, to attend our board meetings and provide comment on our return to learn plan, which they've done uh, almost every month we've had parents speak. And then we also provide additional communication um, just as a follow up, letting them know if anything has changed in our plan. And we also provide reminders um, of key points in, included in our plan. So that way all of the parents are aware of exactly what our plan states, um, exactly what is expected of them, what is expected of the staff, what is expected of the students. So you can walk in anytime and ask our parents or our students or our teachers 
what does your return to learn plan look like? And they can actually explain all of the key components of our plan. Well, it's great that you guys had uh, parents and staff on board. Um, I wonder, uh, Kurt, as you consider from your area superintendent kind of hat, uh, you probably had different challenges and issues that you navigated uh, through the pandemic. Um, has your experience, has your success been the same at all of your schools or have you seen something different in this one? Um, well, I've certainly seen and experienced the support of the board parents and the staff at Ivywood. Uh, it's very clear um, at this school that uh, they're all deeply committed to being in person uh, and they all did their part to make that happen. Um, and I wouldn't say that that's a unique experience to Ivywood, uh, but it certainly stands out uh, in the Ivywood community. So the other schools that I've worked with uh, also value in-person instruction. Uh, they've had very similar processes and protocols, but slightly different implementation um, due to the nature of their, their different communities. Uh, so uh, I know I can just echo a couple of Stephanie's comments that um, it was very clear uh, that the parents and the board members were committed to being in person and they were all willing to do their part to make that happen. Um, so uh, if anything, um, I think we are both very appreciative of the help and the support um, from each of those groups in making sure that we could stay open. And I know this year, you know, obviously, as we're talking about in person and staying safe and healthy, um, you know, you've mentioned your plans. There's so many protocols that we're certain had to had to be put in place to make all of this work. Can you share um, with our listeners, knowing there's a lot of other schools that might be just newly venturing into in-person learning, can you share some of the, the lessons learned, some of the very successful protocols that you've seen that are helpful, um, maybe some things that you've done that are innovative or unique? Um, just any, any specific examples you think might be helpful as your colleagues are listening as well. Yeah, so we've had some people comment on a couple of things that we're doing that they thought were pretty in innovative or unique. Um, one of the biggest things that comes to mind, um, we purchased something called nanoseptic strips, and they're strips you can adhere to any surface, um, common touch points such as doorknobs or elevator buttons or push bars on doors. They even have nanoseptic film to cover iPads. And what it is, is it's a self-cleaning surface. So it kills anything that touches that surface. So we actually placed nanoseptic strips or film on all high touch points in the building. So every classroom door, every bathroom door, all of our iPads, um, all of our elevator buttons, any surface that you would touch during the day um, has a nanoseptic strip. So we feel like that's definitely innovative and unique. Um, we also placed uh, hand sanitizer stations around the building that are electronic. And when you put your hand under it, it also reads your temperature. So we've had some people comment on that. So you think you're going just to get sanitizer, but then it also reads your temperature. And if you have a fever, it alerts the office staff. Um, so we've had some people comment on that as well. So I think those are the two biggest things that we've done that are kind of innovative or unique. Um, we've had several people comment that they've never seen those things before, and we feel like they are helping. Um, we've noticed that we've had a decline in all kinds of illnesses. Obviously, we have not had very many COVID cases, but um, we also have had zero cases of the flu. We have not seen any cases of pink eye, um, very few cases of strep. So those things you commonly see in a school setting, we just are not seeing this year. Um, a couple of things that we've done that have been difficult or maybe weren't as effective as we hoped they'd be. 
um, I would have to say spacing in the hallways when the students are walking in line. We've had teachers try different things, um, such as children hanging onto a certain spot on a rope so they're spaced out um, and different things like that. And we just have not had much success keeping the students um, apart and socially distanced while transitioning from one place to another in the building. But we're working on that for sure. Well, that um, technology sounds tremendous. Well, just a wonder of, of how far technology has come. And Kurt, you know, as Orlando shared earlier, as you, um, as you work with multiple schools, I guess, you know, wondering your insight on that as well as, as you look um, at what's been successful at Ivywood and, and what you've seen across numerous schools. Yeah, I've, I've been impressed by the, um, the willingness to look for innovative solutions and uh, the nanoseptic strips at Ivywood. Um, the first time I heard about those, I didn't really believe it. Um, and so I did a fair amount of research first to see what are these and do they really work? And I, I think they do. Um, but we've seen you know, similar protocols uh, at some of the other schools in slightly different ways. Um, I know uh, the staff at Ivywood has been very diligent about cleaning between groups. And uh, Mrs. Quaker was able to provide time in the schedule uh, so that they could do that. Uh, but that also eats into some of the planning time. So, um, you know, the staff have, have all been on board. They've all been willing to do their part, um, but they've had to give up some of their time to do that as well. Well, and obviously it sounds like you guys have done a great job uh, trying to keep the kids uh, or provide them the type of learning environment that they've been looking for. Uh, and so that's great. And we applaud you for that. As you look to the conclusion of this year, um, into the spring, uh, potentially summer school, and then into the fall. What thoughts, ideas have you guys had about continuing to evolve your uh, learning environment for students? Uh, how might things be different? Uh, what might students and parents uh, see a little bit different as we head into the nicer weather months? So I think one of the biggest things we'll be able to do with the nicer weather, of course, is opening the windows. <laughs> That's always nice. Um, opening the windows and allowing some fresh air into the building. Um, we have had some nice days recently and teachers have taken advantage of that and used our outdoor classroom space. Um, we've had several teachers go out and read to their classes. Um, our art teacher just went out today and did an art lesson outside. Um, so we're seeing more and more teachers taking their students outdoors. Um, we all know that it's safer to be outdoors um, versus indoors. So I would see that continue into the spring and into the summer um, in the event we do offer summer school. Um, but all of our other practices and procedures, I don't see many of them changing. Um, there are things that should be done all the time. Even if our region moves to phase five and some of these requirements are lifted, I do think there are certain things that we will continue to have in place just because they're good practices that we never thought of before. I do think it's a great idea to have every teacher sanitize the classroom every time the students leave the room. That's something we never did in the past. I think it's worked amazing this year. As I mentioned, we have had no cases of the flu or really any other illnesses. So I think going forward, even when those restrictions are lifted or eased, I do think there are certain practices that will definitely continue. Well, we've um, really, it's been interesting and fascinating to hear about all the things that you have in place this year to ensure the health and safety of not only your students, but your staff as well. And what a tremendous accomplishment that has been as we um, move into the last few months of, of the standard academic year. 
um, and the success that you've seen is just great. Um, while we have you today too, we wanna be sure to, to give you a platform to share a little bit more about your school. We know you do have a unique educational model and a unique curriculum. Um, so if you wanna take a, our last few minutes here um, and maybe share a little bit more with our listeners about um, who Ivywood is and, and what your classical model means. Sure. So um, we're a classical school, and really what that means is a back-to-basics approach to learning. Um, so we recite the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. We teach cursive handwriting. We teach math the old way. A lot of parents can identify with that. Um, our students study Latin. Um, we teach history at all grade levels, even kindergarten. Um, so we have a strong emphasis on U.S. history and world history. So our students at all grade levels study one semester of each. Um, all of our literature that's read is classical literature at all grade levels. Our students study classical poetry. Um, all of our instruction is whole group. We do not do centers. Um, so all of our instruction is teacher-led, whole group instruction with the teacher in front of the classroom. Um, like many of us were taught. Um, we're also very low technology. So we believe the teacher is the expert in the room and she should be the one, he or she should be the one giving the students the knowledge not a computer or an iPad. So we are very, very low technology. We do a lot of paper pencil work, um, very back to basics. I don't know if there's anything you wanna to add to that, Kurt. Well, I think um, Stephanie is so well rehearsed uh, at explaining that as we've had uh, lots of interest in the school. Uh, so she answers that question often uh, for parents that uh, come for tours or inquire, you know, what is a classical school and what is, what is this all about? So I don't know if I can top that. Uh, Stephanie is well rehearsed with that one. Well, thank you guys. Uh, we want to thank Kurt Neighbor and Stephanie Koiker uh, for joining us from Ivywood Classical Academy and sharing uh, what they have done this year to offer in-person learning in their building in Plymouth, Michigan. Thank you both. And uh, we wish you the best of success as you guys finish out your school year. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much.